Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We're thrilled you've joined us for this week's podcast. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a powerful five-part series entitled Relationships. In this series, we learn how God wants us to deal with relationships, especially the tough ones that can drain us. May God bless you today as you enjoy this week's message. Good morning. How we doing, church? Y'all looking at me like I'm a little crazy, which of course I am. Have y'all seen a lot of people wearing these shirts? Huh? It's Axis, man. It's student ministry. Going to a whole nother level today and beyond. Now, if you're going to clap, is that the kind of day we're, is that the kind of day we're, we're about to face? I said student ministry is about to go to a whole nother level. That's right. That's right. Axis, man, they've rebranded the ministry, brand evolution. Uh, they got some exciting future ahead. You're going to hear a lot about it. Got new shirts. Got these new Axis sunglasses that I asked. Uh, see, you didn't, know what, you, you didn't know what the sunglasses were about. Yeah, these are for the student ministry. Got the new shirt, Axis on the front, website on the back. Check it out. Pick one up. And listen, if you've got a student that is between the grades of 6 through 12... I love you. I'm so glad you're here. But you should really attend the 2.30 service if you have a high schooler. And the 4.30 service if you have a middle schooler. Can I get an amen from Scott Stevenson? (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So student ministry. Guys, get your students there. Please get your students there. It's, It's so, 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 so foundational. And important in their development and their teenage years. Amen? Amen. It's really true. Hey, welcome to all of our campuses. Welcome to the Garner campus, the NCCIW campus, the Sanford campus, the Internet campus, the folks who are already watching it in Columbia, folks who are in North Raleigh watching it on CW22. Welcome. I'm sure I'm forgetting a campus. Oh, Coffee House. Welcome to the Coffee House campus, which has been just exploding upstairs at the 1045 time slot. And welcome, welcome, welcome to you guys here at Central Campus. Are you ready to have a good day? Hey, don't miss Father's Day next Sunday. Don't miss Father's Day next Sunday. Father's Day is going to be ridiculous. Yes, I took sick, joined it with ridiculous, and then put sick in the middle, and there's my word, ridiculous. You do not want to miss next Sunday. Hey, let's go ahead and get right into the marriage topic. Um, got, a, got, a, got a question. I want some participation. Like I always try to get you to engage and participate with me. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. How many of you would say that you married... An opposite person. Opposites. Opposites. Ah, wow. I'm sure it's the same way at the campuses. Man. Like here's the deal. When you're dating, they say opposites attract. When you're married, I say opposites attack. Right? Right? Kind of let's just keep having fun with this for a moment. Okay? Okay. How many of you would say you're a punctual person? You like to get somewhere on time. You like you watch the clock. You like to be there on time. And how many of you married a person who is not punctual? I kid you not. I just saw a husband grab his wife's hand and put it down. (laughs) This message is not to cause arguments. Okay. How many of you would say you're 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 creative? You you just kind of you just you're just kind of a creative person. Raise your hand. Yeah. Go and take your time. Take your time. I mean, you're creative. 
You're an artist. You just kind of show up whenever you want to show up. What? Are, are, have you had time enough yet to raise your hand? Oh, oh, now, oh, see, so yeah, yeah, yeah just, just having fun with you, having fun. How many of you, how many of you would actually say that you're a planner? Like, like when you're getting ready to do a trip, you like to plan out the trip. How many of you do? You just, I'm going to spin the bottle, put it on a map, spin the bottle, just go wherever it goes. Yeah, yeah. How many of you, how many of you are spenders? I mean, you're the partier. It's like, dude, let's go to dinner. I'm buying. Let's go. Woohoo! You're a spender. Ushers, would you please go ahead and pass the baskets to these people? <laughs> how, many of you, how many of you would say, like, I'm a saver? You're savers. You're savers. And sometimes God has a sense of humor. He puts the spenders with the savers, right? Right. How many of you, how many of you like a BLT, bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich? Glory. Hallelujah. I went by Merritt's the other day. I'm not making this up. First of all, the owner has contacted me. She ran me down. She wants to have our whole family over uh, to just provide BLTs for the whole. I said, do you realize we have five kids? She goes, yeah, I know. I heard. Um, I went by there the other day. They are widening the road in front of Merritt's. And Merritt's has a new sign. Some of you are looking at me like, I, you, weren't, you weren't here that Sunday. But basically, I, talked, I actually ate a BLT in front of the, front of the crowd. And Merritt's business quadrupled. And, and now they're widening the road and they got a new sign out in front of the store. I don't know if there's a relation, but I kind of think there might be. She said she's never seen so many new hope magnets in all her life descend upon Merritt's over the course of the last few months. Yeah, I guess that's worth clapping. There's no kingdom value, but we can clap about that. <laughs> opposites, opposites often attract, especially when you're dating. But to be married with an opposite is a challenging thing. Can I get an amen from those who are there? Yes, that was a little stronger than I had hoped. But anyway, <laughs> if you were here last week, I, I laid out a diagram for marriage. And if you weren't here, I really encourage you to go by the Resource Center and pick that up. I'm really not going to do anything else with it today except have it up here and maybe allude to it a few times. But last week I talked about man and woman serving God together is the biblical recipe for marriage. Man Woman, serving Christ together. Christ at the center and the head and the lordship of their life. And I talked about doing that through prayer and through the church, serving the church together. And I talked about how that is one way in which God enables you to grow a God-honoring marriage that actually goes the distance. Week one was all about this, if you just want to get the cliff notes. We seek the one with our two. And I explained last week, again, if you weren't here just by way of review, listen, if you're here and you're single and you're looking for the one, you're approaching the whole deal wrong. Because God, Christ Jesus, is your number one. Amen? Amen? Christ is number one. We seek the one with our two. Now today... Before we talk about marriage, because listen, I, I, I let you know this in an email this week. I think I'm probably about to deliver the most important message I've ever delivered on marriage. In fact, I was not even supposed to talk about marriage today. I was supposed to move on in this series. But God woke me up on Monday, said, you're not going where you think you're going to go. I want you to teach on marriage again. And so I'm going to bring the heat today. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad three of you are excited. No, no. Hopefully you're speaking for a lot of people. I, I'm going to bring it, okay? 
But I, but I want to just offer a few statements before I do. Number one, I'm not talking to any of you about staying in an abusive marriage. Where you're a punching bag or someone just tears you up. In that case, I believe it's healthy to possibly separate. Definitely healthy to get help and work this out through some counseling so that you're safe and you can work on your marriage. So I don't want anybody staying in a marriage getting roughed up. Secondly, I also want to say for those of you who had a marriage and it ended in divorce, my goal today is not to heap a bunch of guilt on you. My goal today is not to make you feel bad. My goal today is not to have you leave here defeated and feeling like you were preached at all day long. I'm talking to every single one of us today, not about what happened in the past, but about what is going to happen in the future. Very, very important. And I just hope everybody hears that because some of you will forget that as I get into this message. So let's have a little fun. My pastor. Start again. You're so good, though. You went ahead and went there. My pastor. Loves me, loves me and is not talking, is not talking about, the past, about the past, but the future. Here's the third thing. I want everybody here to actually just quiet your spirit and your soul for a moment and ask God to speak to you. Just lay yourself on the altar of God and let's look at a message and a word that is very counter-cultural and unfortunately, in our day and age, very counterintuitive. And in that vein, let's pray together. All heads bowed, if you will, and eyes closed. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you for your people who have gathered this day to serve you and to hear your word. God, would you speak to us as we... Submit to the authority of Scripture. Would you pour out your Holy Spirit upon me, Father God? Would you take our minds and think through them? Take our hearts and fill with them? Lord Jesus, take my lips and speak through them. For if you do not speak today, then absolutely nothing, God, of any significance will have been spoken. And all of God's children said together, Amen. Amen. So when you get to the topic of marriage, you come across Jesus in the New Testament. And you look over there in Matthew 19, and go, I want to encourage you just to go and open up your Bibles today, because this is going to be our verse. We're going, to, we're going to kind of stay put today. We might look at another scripture or two. But if you just open your Bibles to Matthew 19, or your iPhones, or your Androids. And notice I said iPhone before Android, because the iPhone is superior to the Android. A little touchy about your little phone, aren't you? I'm kidding. It doesn't matter what you, what you have. Your iPad, whatever you have. Open it up. And let's go to Matthew chapter 19. Take out your neat teaching notes. You want to follow along. And oh, my Lord, you want to take notes on the stuff Jesus is teaching us today. 
But in Matthew 19, verses 3 through 6, we find an interesting conversation between the Pharisees and Jesus. And the Pharisees love to trip Jesus up. They love to trap Jesus. And so they come to him in Matthew 19, and they ask Jesus some questions. And here it is, verse 3 of chapter 19. Some Pharisees came to Jesus to test him. And they asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Now, let me just explain something to you. And I won't spend a lot of time on it because I think all of you know this. But in that culture, unfortunately, women were seen as property. I know we can't understand that now and we shouldn't be able to understand that. But women were seen as property where men could kind of do with them whatever they wanted to do. And so the Pharisees are coming to Jesus. And that's why when you read the gospel through that lens, you see that Jesus, listen, Jesus was always an advocate for the oppressed. And so Jesus knows what they're doing. They know, he knows that they're trying to trap him. And so Jesus, I love Jesus. Jesus, well, Jesus has a tendency to always ask a question, uh, answer a question with a question. And so look at what he says in verse four. Let's go to the next verse. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator made them, made them what church? And made them what church? And female. And said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. For the two will become one flesh. The word there, I can't overly emphasize the word for becoming one flesh in the Hebrew is hesed. Hesed is literally a joining of the two. Two fleshes, male, female, coming together and uniting as one. Now, the, Jesus is not saying you don't have a personality or you don't have gifts or you no longer have any identity. No, 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 no. But the, the scripture teaches a far greater principle in that when marriage, the holy matrimony covenant of marriage, the way God defines it, when those two come together, they become one. And so verse five, if that wasn't clear enough for you, verse five, Jesus says, therefore, let's read this out loud. Ready? Go. Therefore, what God has joined together let man not hesed. The greatest illustration I could give you would be if I took two pages from my notes up here and told you that marriage is like supergluing those two pieces of paper from top to bottom. Like literally just lathering on the superglue. Letting it dry and trying to separate it. You can't really do it, listen, listen, without lots of tears, without lots of rips, without lots of pain, without pieces going any and every where Jesus said let those whom God has joined together not separate I expected tension today I didn't expect this much tension 
this early. This is good. You okay with tension? I, I see this, this message is so countercultural that you just bring up a topic and it gets tense up in here. Andy Stanley goes so far as to say, pastor at North Point in Alpharetta, Andy Stanley goes so far to say what God has wed together, what God has put together as one, we cannot even undo. That's an interesting thing to talk about. Our culture, see here's the problem church, our culture teaches that marriage is like a contract. When the Bible teaches that marriage is a covenant, look in your teaching notes. A contract is based upon mutual distrust. A covenant is based upon mutual commitment. So we all know what a contract is. I don't trust you. You don't trust me. So we're going to enter into a contract. We're going to sign a one-year lease over this bad boy. Because at the end of the year, I want to do what? I want to get out. A contract is based upon mutual distrust, whereas a covenant is based upon mutual agreement. Listen, church, a covenant is a permanent relationship. A permanent relationship. Can I get an amen? Amen. Y'all remember the first three things I said in the beginning of the message? Because I realize about half of you right now, you're starting to forget already what I said in the beginning. Your pastor loves you. Cares deeply for you. Is not wanting to beat anyone up and talk about the past, but want to talk about the future. But if we're going to be a church, if we're going to be a community of faith that comes under the authority of Scripture, come on, don't we have to know what Scripture teaches about marriage? There you go, there you go. And it, 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 this image is so traditional that in a way, way back, the, the priest would take a man and a woman. And when, when he is marrying that couple, at a point in the liturgy, maybe you've heard of this. This is old school here. I'm not suggesting that we do this. But he would take a blade and he would put it into the palm of the, the, the groom's hand until blood started to, to come out. And then he would take the same blade and put it in the bride's hand and press the point in and cut it just a little bit until blood came out. And then the the priest would take the hand from the groom and the hand from the bride and put them together and put a cord around their hands to symbolize this is a blood covenant for life. Till death us do part. And if you remember last week, so help me God. The, the word is bereath. Say it with me. Bereath. Again, bereath. The word is a cutting. It is actually a tearing so that there is the flow of blood. Let me, let me just take that to the next level, if you will. In the Old Testament, before Jesus came along, the way in which there was atonement being at one with God is that a priest would take a lamb without blemish. Y'all know the Old Testament? Find a lamb without blemish. The lamb would have to take the hit. 
blood would flow out of the lamb because Leviticus teaches that there's life in the blood. You know the story. The priest goes into the holy of holies with the blood from the lamb without blemish. Bereath. Stick with me. Thousands of years later, Jesus Christ arrives on the scene. Old covenant, the lamb, the priest, the tabernacle, the holy of holies, now becomes the new covenant. Jesus Christ lives 33 years among us, decides that it's time to save the world, goes to the cross. What happens? Brief shedding of blood. Come on, come on, come on. Sit with me for just a moment. Biblical marriage, according to God, is that a man and a woman stands before God, says, I will have you from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, forsaking all others, so long, if you can help me, help me, so long as what? We both shall live, so help me, God. Come on, sit with me. Then they go into the marriage chambers, if you will, where a man enters a woman. Listen, young person. For the first time, the hymen is torn. This is sacred. The virgin has holy matrimony, then sex with her man. The man enters the woman. The hymen is torn, typically bereaved blood. Sacred. Holy. Teach your young people this. Scott, we will teach our young people this with you as you teach our young people this. And Kevin at the Garner campus and the student ministry leaders at the Samford campus. This is good. From this day forward, for better or for worse, sickness and in health, richer and poor, be faithful to her as long as she makes you happy. No, 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 no. Be faithful to him as long as he fulfills his part of the deal. No, 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 no. Stay faithful to her, Benji. Stay faithful to Amy Lynn as long as nobody better comes along. No. Stay faithful to her so long as you both shall live. So help me, God, listen, church, on a contract, there's an end date. On a covenant, there is no end date. It is for life. So you might be saying, but what about when it gets hard? <laughs> what about when I don't feel like being married, pastor? Billy Graham, I'm a big fan of Billy Graham. I really want to be with Billy before he dies. I love, I love Billy Graham. I'm, I, he's one of my heroes. Um, 
Ruth Graham, y'all know Ruth, she passed away some time ago, that saint of a woman. And, and Ruth has been known to talk about how the marriage was really difficult at times. And Billy would sometimes be gone for like six months at a time, preaching the gospel around the world. And so one time while he was gone, Ruth Graham was being interviewed. And the interviewer asked Ruth Graham, Ruth, have you ever thought about divorcing Billy? She said, no. But I've thought about murdering him a few times. <laughs> Marriage can be difficult. But what Ruth did, listen, might be the most important thing I'm going to say, and it's not even in my notes. What Ruth did, and what Amy Lynn and I have done, and what I hope and pray some of you have done, listen to me, I'm talking about from this day forward, is you take divorce as an option off the table. It's just not an option. Because it's a covenant. It's not a contract. And the problem with our culture. And again, some of you are sitting here and you're going, well, I tried everything and he or she didn't try everything and it's over. Okay, that's the past. But some of you are going to sit here today and you're going to be convicted a little bit. And you're going to say, you know what? I wish I had done this or I wish I had done that. Listen, let's look at the future. But throwing in the towel on a marriage when you don't feel like you love the person anymore is like selling your car when it runs out of gas. He says to me, well, I don't love her anymore. I don't feel like being married anymore. It's not that simplistic. And when, this is, this is where this comes into hand. This is where this becomes handy. When you don't have love anymore for your spouse. When you feel like you've exhausted all the forgiveness. If you've got Christ in the center of the marriage and both of you are praying to Christ and both of you are serving his church together, I'm just here to tell you God has a way of refilling the love tank. God has a way of refilling the forgiveness that you're trying to find. The problem is we just have a culture that just says, I don't feel it anymore, so I'm out of here. So what I'm going to do in our remaining time, if everybody still loves me, I want to, I want to actually talk about sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Key principle. And my guess is that you might not have ever heard of this talked about in the context of marriage. Sowing and reaping. Go ahead and you can flip over or you can just leave your Bible at Matthew 19. Galatians 6. But if you want to flip over, we're going to be there for the duration. Galatians 6. 7 through 9. Great, great passage of scripture on reaping and sowing. Galatians 6, 7 through 9. You ready for some more scripture? Say amen. amen. Here we go. All of our campuses. Let's read it out loud together. Ready? Go. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap. Let us not become weary in doing good, 
For at the proper time, we will what, church? We will reap a harvest if we... If we what? See, just, just that part there. Whoever sows to please the flesh, whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap what? I mean, just that sidebar here for just a moment. Just that one verse, young person, is a reason for you to set your sexuality aside and keep it pure before God. Don't, don't sow to please the flesh. Because if you do, for from the flesh you will reap destruction. I want to talk to you about reaping and sowing. I love that last part, Galatians 6, 9. Do not give up. Will you say it with me? Do not give up. Come on, campuses. Do not give up. Here's two things. I just want to finish with two things. That's all I'm going to talk to you about today. Number one. Number one, take notes on this, please. You reap what you sow. It's a biblical principle. You can't break it, beloved. You can't break God's principle. You will break yourself if you don't abide by them. The first one is this. You reap what you sow. If I put an apple seed in the ground, I'm not going to get an orange tree. Follow me. If someone smiles at you, you have a tendency to do what? Smile back. If someone frowns at you, you have a tendency to do what? If someone gives you the bird, you have a tendency to do what? No, don't you dare. Don't. Nobody, don't you go pilling the banana at somebody. No, no, no. I know they flip you off. You want to lose it, guys. You want to go blowing the horn. You want to go run them down. You want to run them off the road. Don't do it. But we reap what we sow. In marriage, if someone sows grace and compassion and thoughtfulness, listen to me, what are they likely to get back? I said likely, but yes, exactly. They're likely to get the same back. You reap what you sow. Here's a key biblical principle. The harvest always depends on the seeds that you plant. The harvest always depends on the seeds that you plant. Let me see if I can just unpack this for a moment. Guys, I want to talk to you for just a moment. I want to, just, ladies, glad you're here, but this is not for you. Guys, this, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be thankful for this, all right? Women. Here's what I need to tell you about women. Women are multipliers. Some of you, you know this, but you've never really thought about it. Here's what I mean by that. Woman, a woman is an unbelievable creature. If you, she said, amen. <laughs> Speak it, pastor. It, it, a woman is, the women are multipliers, man. Dude, dude, you, you date this girl. You know what? She comes over to your bachelor pad. Man, you got socks on the floor. The place stinks. You, you, you've been eating ramen noodles for weeks. You bring the woman up in the house. You treat her well. You dating her. What happens? She just turns your bachelor pad. It starts smelling good. I mean, the place, she, she's a multiplier. When you give them groceries. Women, you amaze me. They can go to the grocery store, man, or they can give you a list. And if you're a good dude, you go by the grocery store and pick up the list. You can bring it home and set it on the counter. And they just whip something up. And before long, you are eating the best food you've ever had. 
They're multipliers. You give a woman some flowers and some attention and two ears to listen and you show her your undivided attention, she's going to give you some belly-to-belly multiplication, baby. What? You give her a lot of love, a lot of attention, a lot of flowers, she might do you some multiplying so you got five kids before you know it. What? Come on, guys. Come on, guys. It's just for you guys. Guys, you give them a hard time. She going to give you H-E-double-L trouble. She said, preach. Telling you, telling you. So listen, listen. Here's the deal. Here's the bottom line, men and women. Now I'm going to bring it up to the women too. If you don't like what you're getting, look at what you've been giving. Now that right there, I'll give myself an amen. For those of you who are mad at me and you tuned me out, let me say it one more time. If you don't like what you're getting, look at what you've been giving. Here's the second one. You reap where you sow. Your first one is you reap what you sow. Say it with me. You reap what you sow. Here's the second one. Write it in. You reap where you sow. If I plant a seed over here, beloved, I'm not going to get a tree over here. You reap where you sow. Your marriage is bad. Here's the Tennessee, classic Tennessee. I'll go play golf all the time. Guess what? Your golf game's going to get better. Your marriage is going to stink. Ladies, you say, I don't like my marriage. So you start going out at night with the girlfriends all the time. Nothing wrong with a round of golf. Nothing wrong with going out with the girls every now and then. But classic textbook mistake is that the man or the woman puts the marriage on the back burner and goes and does all these other things. All those other things get good. Your marriage goes to kaputs. You reap where you sow. If you put all your energy, this is, this is also textbook. I love my kids, man. I got to resist this. Here's the tendency. You put all your focus and all your energy on your kids. So what ends up happening, come on, some of you, this is going to be prophetic. And some of you might be experiencing it right now. You put all your attention on your kids. You become a child-centered marriage, a child-centered home. You end up being married to your roommate, a stranger. Your attention is your kids. Sooner or later, I hate to tell you this. I don't get excited about it either. But your kids are going to grow up and they're going to move out of the house. And if you become a child centered marriage when your kids leave the house you look at your spouse and you go who are you and sometimes here's the unfortunate reality sometimes you've just gone too far apart you reap where you sow and here's a key statement 
Here's a very key statement for every single person here to hear. Our marriage, your marriage, is as good as we decide to make it. I know some of you don't like that. But it's true. And some of you are going, but you don't know who I'm married to. I get that. And again, I want you, I don't know who you're married to. And it takes two. It, it takes two. So again, if you're, if you're married to somebody who's abusing you or you're married to this or that or somebody's cheating on you or this or that, I understand. It takes two. But if you're here and you're married and the two people are in it, listen, your marriage will be as good as you decide to make it. Circle the word decide. Circle the word decide. If you're taking notes, your marriage is as good as you decide to make it. Here's what some of you are doing. Some of you are doing it at the campuses, and it's easier to do it there because there's more distance between us. Some of you are going, Pastor, blah, 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 blah. You don't know what I go through. Pastor, I don't love him anymore. I don't love her. I don't feel it. There's no more love, no more forgiveness, no more grace, no more tenderness in the tank. I don't feel it. So you want to have that conversation? All right, big boy. You want to have that conversation? Let's have that conversation. Sweetheart, you want to have that conversation? Put on your big girl pants. Let's have that conversation right here, right now. What if you wake up tomorrow, as some of you will? I probably will. Mondays are tough. And you say, I don't feel like going to work today. Try that. Just, just, just say, forget work. I'm done. I don't feel like working today. You don't work. You eventually don't eat. You don't work. You don't have a roof over your head. Say, I don't feel like it. Parents, oh, have you been here? I don't feel like being a parent anymore. These kids are driving me crazy. Try that one. Just, just don't parent them. How's that going to work for you? You're laughing because you know that, that, that's not even possible. I know it's not theological. It's not, probably not in the Bible. But I don't feel like paying taxes anymore. Go ahead. Give that one a try too. Beloved. Your feelings are a little irrelevant. problem with our culture is that we do everything based on our feelings some of you need to build a bridge and get over your feelings 
realize marriage is a covenant and not a contract. Some of you need to be reminded today that God is bigger than your feelings. Some of you need to realize today that it's just natural. Please hear this. It's just natural to not feel love from time to time. Like, do you really think that Amy Lynn and I always feel like we just love one another? I mean... Maybe you can imagine me always loving her because she's almost like a saint. But can you imagine that woman always feeling like loving this old boy? Heck no. And I don't always feel like loving her. And I don't always feel all warm, fuzzy, gushy, gushy. But I hate to break it to you. The Bible doesn't put a lot of emphasis upon our feelings. Love is not a feeling. Oh, Lord, tell me you need to write this down. This is just, I don't know where this is coming from. Love is a verb. It's not an emotion. You put God front and center. You say till death us do part. We have a covenant and not a contract. And the love will come and go. The love will be there though. It'll come. The emotions will be there. If you reap where you sow and you reap what you sow, the love will come. Winston Churchill Winston Churchill, in 1941, went into a, a Harrow School, H-A-R-R-O-W, the Harrow School, where he, he grew up singing great hymns as a child. He stopped in there one day. Winston Churchill is probably one of the most quotable uh, persons to ever walk on God's green earth. He stepped in there in the midst of World War II. And as he stood up and was invited to come and share a few words, a speech, if you will, Winston Churchill stood up and he looked at those students and those adults and those faculty and he said, never, 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 Never give up. That's a good word for a marriage. If you're married today, the Bible says this in Galatians 6, 9. Don't grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, you'll reap a harvest If we do not give up. If we what? If you're sitting by your spouse, why don't you grab their hand right now? Why don't you grab your hand and why don't we all just read this together? Do not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, you'll reap a harvest 
if we do not give up. Again, if we, if we what? Maybe it's not the proper time yet. Maybe if you throw in the towel, you'll never experience the harvest at the proper time. If we do not give up. I think I've said enough. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you today for your spirit that I believe God is speaking challenge, maybe life. Oh God, I hope it's speaking hope. And to those who are hurting right now, those who are a little confused. And God, I know that there are some who feel like there's just no way possible. And God, I pray that you would build faith today. God, I pray that supernaturally there would be miracles, that there would be forgiveness, that there would be healing. God, as we seek you and we never, ever, ever give up. As you pray today at all of our different campuses, some of you are married and others of you are not. And one day you will be. What I'd ask you to do is just think about your marriage or your future marriage. I want to ask you to stop thinking about it as a contract based upon feelings and emotions. I want to challenge you to think about it as a covenant. A covenant of holy matrimony. That you and your beloved is going to seek God together as you honor Him. As you honor your relationship with Him and one another. If you're here and you're married... Or maybe you plan to be married in the near future. If today you would say, you know what? God has spoken to me. God has encouraged me. God has challenged me. And from this day forward, I'm going to keep our marriage as a covenant and not a contract. I want to ask you just to raise your hands right where you are. Just lift them up high. Just lift them up high. Yes. Keep them up. Way to go, married people. You can drop them. Father, I pray for all those who raise their hands. God, I pray that you bless them. God, I pray that you bless all the marriages in this church, mine included. That we would live this out as a, as a covenant, Father God. Father, I want to pray for those who are hurting and struggling. And maybe they're hanging on by a thread. God, I want to ask you to do what they cannot do. That you would love through them. That you would forgive through them. God, that you would bring restoration when it seems impossible. And God, I pray that we would have the faith to seek you. To possibly seek outside help. To pray with you and with one another and serve your church together. And, and have your flow of favor and, and Holy Spirit descend upon these couples. As you keep praying today at all of our different campuses. Or those of you on the computer in front of the TV. Whatever the case may be. I want to tell you about an incredible verse of scripture. The Bible says that Jesus endured the pain of the cross. He who was without sin, who became sin for us. When he did, God looked away and cried out in anguish, My God, my God, 
Why have you forsaken me? Listen to me, church. Again, with everybody praying, listen to me. He never gave up. He was beaten, but he never gave up. He was tortured, but he never gave up. He was mocked. He was spit upon, but he never gave up. Why did he not give up? Why did he not throw in the towel? Why? Scripture says it was for the joy set before him. The joy set before him that he endured the pain and the heartache. Here's my question. What is the joy set before him? Here's the answer. You are his joy. You are his joy. When you come into a relationship with God because of what Jesus Christ did for you, you are his beloved son. You are his beloved daughter. You are his joy. And he calls you by name. And he saves you. He endured the pain of the cross because you were the joy set before him. And when you cry out to him, when you call on his name, the Bible says he will save and he will deliver and he will forgive. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he will make you a new creation. At all of our different campuses, for those of you who would say, you know what, I'm no longer playing around. I want to give Jesus my entire life, every single bit of it. Today, I want to give him my life. I want to be his joy, and I want to receive salvation and forgiveness of my sins. Again, I'm just going to ask, would you just raise your hand? Just lift your hand up. All eyes, eyes closed, heads bowed. Yes, yes, yes. Hands in this place. Hands at our campuses, I'm sure. Father, would you bless those? If you're watching this on the internet, just click on that button right at the bottom to accept Christ. Pray with me, those of you who raised your hand, those of you who are having a moment with God right now, just pray, Heavenly Father, save me from my sins. Make me new. God, I believe that Jesus died for me on the cross and rose again so that I could live for him. Lord Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit today. I will serve you for the rest of my life to the best of my ability. Lord Jesus, from this day forward, my life is not my own. I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Thank you for Jesus. We love you, Lord. And as a church, all of our campuses, we pray together saying, Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. May God bless you and thank you for being a part of our church family.